Well, hello and welcome to another God Conversation. And uh, I'm your host, Matt DeSmit. And in the next few minutes, uh, we're just going to go through a passage of Scripture, uh, take a look at that, and uh, let that become the start, the prompt of our God Conversations today. So, hey, if this is your first time joining us, first, I want to just encourage you, uh, if you have not listened before, this is episode 14. Go back to episode 11. And in episode 11, there's kind of this pretty massive, exhaustive recap of everything that we've talked so far, because what we're doing is we're simply walking through the book of Acts. And we're currently in Acts chapter 4. Uh, but in episode 11, we kind of cover everything that we had done and then kind of bring us up to this point here. So I would encourage you to stop this and go back and take a listen to that. But uh, before we dive into Acts 11 today, and uh, or excuse me, Acts 4 and actually moving into 5, before we dive into that, I just want to thank you for those of you who have subscribed, who have shared or commented or liked or rate, uh, rated or reviewed any of those things. Uh, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. It means the world to me that you would do that because for me, this is really just all about starting conversations in our day that revolve around God because if God is the center of our life, shouldn't he also be the center of our conversations? And that's what this whole thing is about. So let's go ahead and let's dive into uh, what we're going into today. And uh, super, like the 22nd recap of what's going on, we have Peter and John are going to the temple. There's a crippled man. They pray he's healed. Religious leaders aren't too happy about it. They arrest Peter and John because of the commotion that came from it. And they end up warning Peter and John to never speak in the name of Jesus again. So Peter and John go back to the other believers, tell them about what happened. And they pray this incredible prayer that we covered last time. And then Acts chapter four ends with kind of this picture of the Jerusalem church and what it looked like, how they were of one mind, one accord. Uh, they were praying together. They were being incredibly generous. And that's where this story picks up today. And it picks up in this idea of generosity. So let's dive into Acts chapter 4, verses 36, and we're going to go into chapter 5 and verse 11. All right. So Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge, and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan 
filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. Verse five, when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out and buried him. Verse seven, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Verse 10, instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Wow. I mean, this is one of those stories. You know, you hear it when you're a kid. Uh, it, it's one of those incredibly unbelievable stories, like literally unbelievable story. One of the most wild stories ever in human history, let alone recorded in the Bible. Two people drop dead right then and there. Now this story, I think it's a little difficult to understand. I, let me rephrase. I have had a hard time understanding this story for many, many, many years. And like perhaps some of you, this story has been used in a few different ways. And I'm not sure that they are all accurate and biblical. Well, one thing I've heard, and, and I'm just going to say both of these kind of two interpretations that have been given over time through the ages uh, that are not accurately saying what's going on. And so I'd like to just give those real quick, uh, hopefully, possibly to just free some of you. I remember being a teenager and heard this story maybe for the first time, certainly the first time it had been preached. And it was used in a way that if you don't give money, if you don't tithe appropriately, if you don't give to God what he deserves or what he asks for, then you will be like Ananias and Sapphira and you may drop dead. It's happened before, happened to this couple. It might happen to you too. So make sure you give. No, that is not at all what this story is about. Another way I've heard this is don't lie to God's chosen. Peter was an apostle. Peter was God's chosen man for this moment. Don't lie 
to God's chosen or God's anointed. Don't lie to your pastor. Don't lie to your mother or father. Don't lie to your teacher. Don't lie to this person or that person. Because God doesn't like that. And he might strike you dead. No, (laughs) that is neither of those stories are what is being talked about here. It's actually why I chose to include a couple of those verses from the previous chapter, because we make this story seem so uh, disconnected from what was happening in the Jerusalem church. See, in the Jerusalem church, we're seeing incredible generosity. They are not giving because they have to. They are giving because they want to. No one is being forced to give. People are giving because they want to help others. So in comes this man named Joseph, whom we all know as Barnabas. In fact, Barnabas, they changed his name to reflect the the character that he had as generous and encouraging. So he wants to help people out. So he has this, this piece of property. He has this field. He decides to sell it. And he comes in and he brings the money from that field and gives it essentially to the church just to be distributed amongst those who needed it. Well, here's what I think. This is my take. And, and if any of you want to disagree, cool. Pop in the comments. Disagree with me. It's not a problem. I'm not going to claim to be completely right. But here's my perspective. And this has been very enlightening to me. I think this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, or however you say their names, I think they wanted the recognition that Barnabas was getting. They wanted status. They wanted position. They wanted their names to be changed to reflect how incredible people, how incredible they were as people. They had this different motivation level than just being generous. So they too had a field and sold it and brought some of the money in. Now, here's the deal. If they sold a field, let's just say that they sold it for $10,000. And they decided that they wanted to give $100 of that. Look, this is their field. And this is what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, it was your field. It was your money. We didn't ask for it. God didn't ask for it. You did it out of the kindness of your heart. You could have given $100. You could have given $0. You could have given 1000 You could have given 10000 It's not about the amount of money. You could have done what you wanted with it. That would have been okay. But instead, here's what Peter says. He says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land. It's clear that the sin happening here isn't even about jealousy or status or money. It was about the fact that he tried to lie and deceive the Holy Spirit. And in this case, 
I think the Holy Spirit wanted to make a point of A, this is sin, and B, this is what holiness means, and this is what the penalty of lying to me can and should be. And so the response is that the the people who are witnessing this are filled with fear because they're recognizing this justice part of God. And I would argue that we today have this same problem. We often see God as merciful and gracious and loving and kind, slow to anger, you know, all of these things. We, we, we tend to favor those words. And we don't always see God as the just judge. That, in fact, he is in some ways being unjust by granting us mercy and grace. But that is his to decide. He is justified in correcting us or punishing us for our sin. And so here we see it with this couple, that they lie to the Holy Spirit about how much they sold their property for. And that's the lie that they're being caught in. So, man, I first of all, I hope that I can free you if you've heard this differently, or maybe help even just show some of the motivation behind this couple and why they did what they did, because when we understand that motivation, I think that hits home a lot more. I ask the question often, uh, I'm not proud of it and I don't say it out loud, but why does this person, I mean, I have, I, I am blessed to be friends with some incredible individuals and most of my friends, if not all of my close, dear friends, my wife included, they, I see them as so talented and far more talented and gifted than I am. And we can throw in the word blessed. They are more blessed than I am is what it seems like to me at times. And because they're so good at what they do, they get recognition for it. Of course they get applause. I'm the first one in line, jumping up and down and celebrating what they do or what they've done. But it's easy for me to also sit back and to myself be like, wait, I'm putting in just as much effort. Um, I helped them get there. What you're applauding is advice that I gave them a week or two or a year or two ago. No, actually that line of what they said, that's, that's the line I gave them. How come they're getting all of the recognition and I'm not getting any? It's easy to find ourselves in that place. But what we learn here from the Holy Spirit is there isn't room for that in the kingdom of God. There isn't room for that in the church. And we don't need to lie and deceive and try and find a way for us to elevate our own status. Because in the case of Joseph, now known as Barnabas, he wasn't seeking those things. Yet he was elevated anyway. And man, Barnabas is about to become a very 
major figure in Acts. And we're about to read a lot about Barnabas and his adventures and his uh, ministry work and the incredible things that come from it. But what we see is Barnabas didn't seek it. Ananias and Sapphira did. And this couple tried to cut corners and lie and cheat their way there. Later on, his wife comes and she repeats the same lie. And, you know, there's one last thing I just really, this isn't explicitly in this passage, but it is implicitly in this passage. And it's this, again, I'm going to go back to this idea of kind of justice and judgment. And the question is, well, why? Why did he have to strike them dead? Why couldn't he teach them in another way? Why couldn't he? And then there's the question of, did they go to hell? Were they really believers in the first place? And I'm not going to try and answer any of those because that's not my job. That's not my, I, I don't, I don't have the right to talk about that, let alone permission. But can I take a larger look at something else that Peter says? So why has Satan filled your heart is what Peter asks Ananias. He puts the blame on Satan as the originator. He also puts the blame on Ananias as the one who allows it to happen. And I just want to say this. God is not out here to send us to hell. This is something we hear from people all the time. How can I believe in a God who's so loving yet he sends people to hell? Like how, how is that love? God isn't out here to send us to hell. Hell was not made for us. Hell was never created to be an internal punishment for me or for you. Hell is a place, whatever it, lots of stuff behind this, but hell is a place that was created for Satan and a third of the angels that followed him as their eternal punishment, not for human, not for us. Satan is so mad at God that he will do, he's tried to do other things and it doesn't work. He can't go straight at God. So he takes a different direction and he goes after God's most prized creation, humankind, you and me. And so Satan simply is trying to pull us down with him. It's like someone being in a swimming pool, right? And it's a lot easier to pull someone into the pool than it is to pull someone out of the pool. Satan is trying to pull us into the pool, into hell with him. And so God wanted to eliminate every barrier he could, which is why he sent Jesus. But hell is not for you. Hell is for Satan and Satan alone. Our job is to not allow Satan to tempt us or to fill our heart with something. 
Our job is to make sure that we are staying as God-centered, Christ-centered as we possibly can so that it is Christ filling our heart, not Satan filling our heart. So that was just, I suppose, a little something extra for today. I just felt like that it, this was a good place to talk about that. And so I, I wanted to let that be known. And hopefully that may be something that frees you today as well. Uh, I know that's a tough thought for many of us and a difficult question for many of us to ask. You know, why does a loving God send people to hell? And so, you know, I just want to say my job here is over. We've gone through today's passage. Uh, I gave a few thoughts. I hope some of them are insightful and enlightening for you. Um, but this is the end for me. Now it's your job. It's your turn. Start your God conversations today. Maybe you talk about this passage. Maybe you don't. I hope that this can be a prompt for your God conversations today, that this can be a prompt for all of your conversations today. Because again, if God is the center of our life, he should also be the center of our conversations. So let's bring him into our conversations with believers and non-believers alike, with our families, with our friends and neighbors and anyone and everyone as a chance for us to share our stories. So share your story today. Please continue. If this has been helpful for you in any way, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Uh, you will, anytime a new uh, episode has been released, it comes straight to you and it's there for you to listen. It also helps this kind of climbs some, some ladders for more people to be able to see this. Also, feel free to share this on social media. Uh, comment, like, review, rate, all of those things. They're incredibly helpful. You can find us, uh, if you have not seen it yet, uh, you can find this on YouTube, uh, the video version on YouTube under Frontiers Church. And there's a, a playlist called God Conversations. You also can find this on your favorite uh, podcast platform by searching God Conversations. And again, any kind of way that you can respond, it is helpful for me. And I am truly uh, gracious and or grateful and honored that you have done so. So, hey, there it is. It is the start of your God Conversations today. Uh, remember, if God is the center of our life, then he should also be the center of our conversations. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.